Welcome to NEP On Location. Here we hit the road and have conversations with some of the brightest minds from the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more. In this episode, Jim Oleski is on location at NEP's We Need to Talk Mental and Behavioral Health Conference in Las Vegas and has a conversation with Dr. Carrie Ramella. Dr. Ramella is the owner and clinical director of Public Safety Crisis Solutions, a Phoenix, Arizona-based counseling and wellness center. She has more than 35 years of public safety and clinical mental health experience and works with numerous public safety and behavioral health committees and programs. Hi, this is Jim Oleski from NEP Media on location once again in Las Vegas at NEP Services. We need to talk behavioral health conference. Joining me now is Dr. Kerry Ramella from Public Safety Crisis Solutions from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Dr. Ramella, thank you for uh, coming out to this conference. Thank you for spending some time here uh, for this podcast. And uh, welcome. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your organization. Well, uh, I'm happy to be here. And um, I enjoy coming to these conferences and Love to see um, all the new faces and new discussions that are happening. My agency, Public Safety Crisis Solutions, I develop uh, behavioral health programming for um, first responders, so police and fire. Uh, So that could be anything from helping them create a peer support team to um, I've created my own uh, EAP um, organization, so I contract with about 250 different therapists around the state of Arizona so that I can offer services throughout the state and to the rural communities. We do a lot of trainings. Um, we also oversee the uh, functioning of the firestrong.org website. So we kind of do a little bit of everything. How did you get into specializing or focusing on public safety? So uh, many years ago, uh, I actually started my career as a 911 operator and a radio dispatcher for the Phoenix Police Department. And I worked that job while I was going to school and um, getting my bachelor's in psychology. And I really kind of decided then that I really wanted to help the people that helped others. And so I really kind of started focusing all of my education on you know, what did I want to do eventually, which was um, to serve those um, in the, as a first responder. I've, I've, I, uh, I've told the story now a few times, but um, I, I find it interesting. I feel like dispatchers, uh, you know, people from communication centers are often sort of the forgotten links um, in the first responder kind of system. Yeah. And I, I've heard over the years that, you know, a number of stories of, of folks that have struggled because often those folks are, they're, they're getting the raw end of it right up front. And then they don't kind of get the, they don't, they don't get the full arc of the incident and, and, and they get a lot of blanks because they're not there seeing, you know, the resolution of what happens. And, and that has caused a lot. Of, I've heard, you know, stories from people who struggle with that. They, they allow yeah. their minds to, to fill in blanks. Um, and, uh, and that's difficult. What was, was your experience as a, in a communication center like that? Was, was that, uh, or did you have any, you know, any stories related to that, um, for, for those folks like that, that they've had, they have some specific needs or maybe some underserved needs, uh, as, as part of the first response, you know, system, not just the cops, firefighters, EMS, um, any, any thoughts on that? I have to think that obviously influenced you in some way. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think many years ago they were kind of forgotten. And it's like, well, if you're not out there and you're not seeing it, you're not having a problem, don't worry about it, right? right? Which is, of course, not true, right? Right. So we know that, you know, trauma can affect us through our senses, right? So, um, you know, do we see it, hear it, feel it, smell it, you know, all of those things? So 
you know, obviously in a dispatch situation, you're hearing it, you know, and, and today, and with today's new technology, they're actually going to be seeing it, um, from what I understand with the new, you know, um, camera systems and things like that. Right. So that's going to add a whole nother new level to dispatch that people need to be ready for. I, I can say for me, it was a, it was a good barrier for me to not be able to see it um, okay. allowed me to work it, right? Okay. And so the more personally involved I got into it, the worse it was going to be for me. So to me, that was that was a way to, you know, work the call. Uh, I got the beginning of it, and I didn't need to know the end of it. And that's right. how I dealt with it. Um, but today with TV, you know, kind of showing the beginning, middle, and end to everything, I think that adds another element you know, to, to dispatch and what they need to do, um, and how they take care of each other. So I think now they're starting to do that better, creating their own teams, you know, um, within their divisions and their bureaus, but also, you know, being allowed to be a part of, um, the field. But I think the other thing that we've learned through the years too, is that sometimes it's not helpful for them to know everything that the officer or the firefighter sees on scene. That's just adding a level of trauma to them that they don't need to have. Sure. And we need to educate to that. Interesting. Um, it's interesting how the field has kind of evolved. Uh, like we said, uh, before we started rolling, things are starting to, to normalize a little bit and, uh, and, and, and that's great. Um, so, so, it sounds like you, you work with many different agencies at, at many different levels of capability, I would imagine. And, and, and when, as this field sort of evolves, as more and more places begin to take this seriously and assign resources and folks uh, to these issues, um, I mean, this is a positive thing for everybody. Uh, but there's also a lot of folks, there's a lot of folks here today that are literally at step one. Um, what do you do when, when the phone rings and it's somebody saying, Hey, we, we, we know we need to be in this realm. We know we need to support our members. How do we start? And, 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 you know, what do you, what do you do? What are some of the steps? Uh, how do you, re- you know, how do you work with places, um, to get them off the ground? So, you know, unfortunately, usually those phone calls call, come after something bad has happened, okay, right? Yep, yep. So, I mean, it would be great if, you know, what I tell everyone is, is you need to have as much in place as you can before the bad thing happens. Um, and then that's really going to impact how you recover from that bad thing. So if you don't have anything in place and the bad thing happens, it's a lot harder to put stuff into place at that moment. But that tends to be, sure. right? Like sure. strike when the iron's hot right. Right. after right. the bad thing happens. For instance, uh, you know, the, in 2013, when we lost the Granite Mountain Hotshot crew, yep. um, you know, I got the call to go up there and, and help um, with that situation. And I mean, from day one, we started planning on what's next. What are we going to do um, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, and now this week, it's 10 years later. And, um, and we've developed programming along the way for them. And, you know, they have an active peer team and they've had other tragedies since then. And they've really, you know, we've built resiliency into their plan to where they actually, you know, are a functioning, healthy department, even though they lost a quarter of their department in one day. Right, 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 right. Uh, You you said the word resiliency and and that's kind of the, you know, I think the hot word, you know, these days. And that's a good that's a good thing. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, maybe talk about some of uh, the success, story, success success stories you have seen 
um, with departments you just talked about, uh, like the hot shots. Um, you know, where, what have you seen some of the growth uh, out there as far as places offering more, you know, 360 type, you know, support to their members, not just after something bad happens, you know, uh, tell us a little about some of the things you've seen uh, where, where, you know, some success stories that have happened. So, right, resiliency is, is you know, measured as to, like, how, how well you bounce back after something bad happens, right? So we see that usually in, you know, two different directions. Either you come together, you connect, um, you know, you, you, you work off your strengths as a collective crew, and, and you grow from that, right? The other thing we see is that division can, can happen. And if division happens and things fall apart, right, we're not going to be individually or collectively resilient in that matter. So, um, so that's the, the concept that we use after any significant incident is what are our strengths? We have to build on our strengths in order to be able to find that connectiveness to move them forward and grow from the incident. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes that's challenging. Sometimes you don't have a whole lot to pull from, but you got to take whatever you can get, right. And, and, and grow from that. And what are ways that folks could be working or agencies could be working on resiliency during the non-crisis times? Right. So, so it's all about, you know, um, our perception, right? So it's creating, you know, optimism and hope, um, and it's create, you know, creating connectedness and strength. So if there's little everyday changes that we can make to make things more positive, to make things more, um, you know, community driven, um, then they're going to have more strength and more resilience, you know, if that bad thing happens. So what we know is that is that you have to be resilient. I mean, you have to be optimistic in order to be resilient. So if all we're doing is looking for all the negatives and complaining about all the bad things and only seeing what we don't have instead of what we have, we won't, we won't have that strength. I feel like this is something that you almost need a, you need a coach. Um, I mean, you know, like, I mean, this is something that's not, you know, naturally, and, you know, as, and as we, like we say in the fire service, you know, firefighters, um, you know, they, 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 they either, they, they don't like change and they don't like, you know, they don't like the way things are. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but, but how do you, how do you convince, you know, or not even convince, but, but how do you get people to change their approaches to things? Uh, like to me, it's a coaching thing. And I mean, it sounds like that's kind of a role almost that, 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 that you take, um, and I've spoken to a few uh, labor leaders, some uh, police and fire, you know, leaders about this topic. These things are resource dependent. Um, what are ways that that you uh, you know talk to agencies about? Hey, how, how do you how do you frame this in a way to say that this is an investment? worth making for your members um is that is that part of you know the discussions that you have with with clients like how how do you say why this is why you need to do this yeah well i mean we can look at so in order to have right we look at it in stages right so individually you have to be the best you can be right and then collectively right so if if individually you're the best you could be and all of you are like that you're going to have a stronger crew and if you have a stronger cruise, right, you're going to have stronger battalions, stronger departments, and then in the end, a stronger fire service, right? So how do we get, you know, top down, bottom up to where everybody's owning their own piece? So you have to have ownership. Um, and every firefighter has to be able to say, yes, I'm going to be the best I can be. I'm going to, and, and if that's, you know, changing the way I think about things and the way that I do things, then I'm willing to do that, you know? 
I think the hard part is, like you said, right, we all want change, but we have this huge aversion to change. But I, I think that the easiest thing to do is take it away from theories and concepts because that gets to be too overwhelming and we don't know, okay, how do we apply that? Well, that's sure. great. It makes sense. But what does that mean yeah, for me? Yeah. So, so what are the little actually practical steps that someone can take? So as a captain, I can do X, Y, and Z. As a captain, I can sit my crew down every morning at a kitchen table and say, you've got 15 minutes to bitch. After that, we're not going to be negative anymore today, right? And you make it be something that everybody looks forward to. It's like they, they look forward to those 15 minutes, say whatever you've got to say, get it off your chest, and then from there, we're going to move forward. That's an easy, practical thing that any captain could initiate at any station, right? Um, you know, different things that you can do to just change how you think about things. So after every call, it's, you know, it's not, you know, everything, it's not, you know, what we judge, right? We fall into that judging sure. um, where we judge ourselves, we judge each other, we judge the other crews, we judge the patient even. So instead of judging, what I tell people is there's a big difference between judging and observing. So if we learn to observe, when we observe something, we have no emotional or behavioral connection to it. But if we judge, we get an emotion and we have, an, we have a behavior. And that's when we're going to have complaints. That's when we're going to have negativity. So how do we just change that whole concept of, hey, I can observe but it doesn't have to affect me. Um, that makes a big difference, right? So if somebody's driving down the street, pulls in front of me, and I get all pissed off, and I'm, you know, calling them every name in the book, and I'm judging them, right? Sure. Um, that creates anger and frustration for me. It creates a behavior change for me. That affects me, and it affects whoever's sitting next to me. But if I just observed, hey, that car just pulled out in front of me, I need to slow down. I wonder what's going on with them. I'm not, I don't have that, that emotion or that behavior change. I feel like there's got to be, and, and you, you certainly work with enough organizations that you see patterns. What are the, often, what are the root causes for these negative, for the negativity? Uh, is it just allowed to exist? Is it just the culture that's been there? I mean, I, I would think to be able to, to make change, you have to, you have to address the root causes, yeah. um, you know, which, okay, yes, people might be complaining about something, but why are they complaining? Is that part of this process? I mean, I, to me, that would think if you're going to reform sort of the way people feel and act in an organization, like you have to get to the root issues, um, you know, and, 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 and that may be as simple as that's just the culture. Um, you know, well, I, I, it, I don't know. It's a couple of things, right? So the, the main thing is, is that it's our natural default mechanism. Okay. So just the hu being a human, we right. naturally are negative. So if okay. we know that already, then what we have to be able to do is own that and say, but I don't want to be that way. And that means I can make a change. So I can now make a choice. So I have a choice. Do I want to stay negative or do I want to look for the positive? Okay. So the idea is, it's, to me, it's, from what you're saying, is, is if, if you do nothing, just human right. nature is going to skew yep. negative. Yep. So you have to work. Yes. You, you, have to, you have to put in the work to keep yes. things positive. Yes. Okay. So all of us are born with a certain, you know, it's, it's somewhere on the spectrum of optimism and pessimism, right? Okay. So there are some people who might be more pessimistic and some people who are more optimistic. But what we do know is that it is teachable. So we do know that if you choose to, you can make yourself be more positive if you want to be. 
But we also know that negativity is contagious. Sure. So if if you have one or two people that are negative, then that just evolves, right? It grows. So um, so it's really important to insert those positives. Negativity is so strong that for every one negative, you have to have three positives to counteract it. Sure. So sure. on a shift, that's difficult to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I've I've seen in my own career uh, moving one person, just one person out of a firehouse. You know, whether from For retirement sure. yeah. through promotion through transfers, changes the entire dynamic yeah. of the entire station. Yeah, um, and that yeah, go, that goes to your your math equation there. That, that like man, one one person moved yeah. and the entire place changed. Yeah, um, that that's interesting. Um, so okay, so so part of what you you do is is it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, uh, I keep using the word coaching because to me that that's a natural fit for this is, is just saying like, hey, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to work to be positive. Yeah. You've got to work to be, we keep hearing, um, you know, folks talking about gratitude and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, it sounds like this is, these are all things um, that, um, you know, we have to kind of just, we have to instill in our organizations. I mean, that, that sounds like though, that's a lot of work. Um, you know, I, I know uh, from being in, in, in different public safety agencies for a long time, um, yeah, people like to complain. I mean, that, and that, that's, um, you know, you have so, to work to yeah, maintain you that system. Out, like, you know, how do you challenge yourselves, right? Like, so after every call, you know, challenge, you know, what is the, the, the truck challenge is that everyone had to find one thing that the other one did good, right? Or, you know, what was one funny thing that happened um, on that call? What was, you know, so it's finding those little ways that you can do it. As a, as a captain, you know, it's like, hey, that was a really crappy call, but we did a great job, you know, whatever it is, right. like X, Y, and Z. And don't focus on the negative. Don't, don't focus. You guys know what went wrong. You don't have to focus on that. Focus on what went right. So it's changing the culture to make sure, like, that's what our captains should be trained on, is how do we, how do I do that? How do I affect change? Right. Because I'm the leader, and that can make a big difference. That was what I was going to say. I mean, this almost seems like the framing of this is almost better off. I mean, you, you talked about earlier about not overwhelming people with theories and statistics and, you know, because and, and, people tune out to that. Yeah. Um, it, and it's, it's hard to grasp, especially in a, in a, in a, in a society now where you're, you've got five seconds of screen time, which is the way, you know, our, mm-hmm. our, our, uh, attention spans are, um, yeah, this, these are leadership things, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, most organizations are training their members in some ways, shape or form. They are, you know, in public safety, at least in leadership areas. Um, it sounds like this is a, maybe a missing piece from that. Um, yeah, which is, it's just which yeah, is, something to add to it or understanding the why behind it, right? right? So again, with all that leadership training, they're training you on these theories and concepts, but they're not, you're not, you know, they're not giving you really easy, practical ways to apply it. Right, right. I can I can unpack this for uh, 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 yeah, a, long, <laughs> a long time. Um, and it's interesting because uh, a lot of what's 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 rising up now which is great which a lot a lot of the folks are at this conference is is this concept of peer support mm-hmm. um and one of the things i've been talking to folks involved in peer support is like all right well tell us how did the ball get rolling on this like where did the leadership come from and to me it's all it, it's a mix it, it seems more often it's coming from the labor organization than it is necessarily from the organization itself unless something 
bad habit and then then the the hand gets forced um but on a day-to-day basis when like hey we got some problems going on it's it's there's no there's 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 a lack of of recognition i think uh or a lack of commitment to fight for the resources to to bring these things in but i think it's that's a whole different framing when you say like hey as a leader um you know if there's there's a handful of attributes that you need to have or a handful of skills you need to work on that that are in your your toolkit as a formal leader mm-hmm. uh, this is one of them i mean yeah. and, and that's like a that's kind of a way to package that you know in, in a way um that that i think people in public safety would would digest you mm-hmm. know better and then i mean now your outcome is is better mental health or at least yeah. a, you know a more normalization of a system better working environment um well it makes sense from a leadership perspective i mean we're putting millions of dollars of investment into a person right, right that's right, our strongest right. asset yep, that's yep. our most important asset on the department is the person yep. so if we're not if we're not doing what we need to do to keep that person healthy you know a whole 100 percent, right mind body spirit then you know, then we're missing the mark because sure. they're going to leave and we're going to have to reinvest in another new person. Right. And right. then they're going to leave too right. if, we're not, if we're not supporting them the right way. And I think that's a huge thing to know with this new younger generation coming in. They're not taking a job for 20 to 30 years. That's no. not their, they're, they're not even thinking about that. So, right. um, you know, enticing them with a pension, you know, is, is not really... Yeah, you know, it, what, what it, it used, used to be, to be right. right? So now it's, is this the right job for me right now? Right. Um, and if, and the minute they, they answer that question with a no, they're gone. So, I mean, there's people with five, 10, 15 years on every day asking themselves, do I want to be here? Is, is, what are the, what are the risk, the risk rewards? And, and when it gets to the point where it's not meeting what they need, they're leaving. So that's a lost investment. Now, what is your experience typically? Uh, it, it, you're obviously you're meeting with agency leaders. I have to imagine if you're you're coming into places, are you getting buy-in on? Are you finding that when you you're face to face with a police chief, a fire chief, uh, a city you know uh, official, are, are they buying into this? I think I think they are. I think a lot of them, you know. I think a lot of the the people that are in leadership positions right now um, actually were probably on peer teams themselves. Okay. You know, like I think we're finally at that point where we're starting to see that transition okay. where they, you know, were the ones that were on the peer teams and were doing these trainings and were, you know, um, invested in their membership um, at, at a different level. So now having them in these leadership roles, I think that's really helped a lot. Um, you know, I, I mean, we're not there a hundred percent yet, sure. but I think that's a part of the shift that we're seeing. So I think that's making a difference. So they want to support it and, and just helping to look through, um, ways of, of supporting it, right? Like everybody's fighting for resources. Yep. Everybody's got staffing shortages. So, you know, don't ask for stuff, you know, you can't have, but certainly ask for things that you can possibly get. Um, and, and then that way you're, 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 make, you're helping the membership and helping management, right? But if we ask for positions, we know we can't get the position, right? right? So what else can we ask for so that it makes, so everybody's working together? Yeah, and if you could learn how to frame some of your uh, arguments in a way that's saying, like, like, hey, maybe we don't have these resources, but we're also wasting resources. But when people walk out the door, yeah. what you said, like with millions of, of dollars and, and mm-hmm. hundreds or thousands of hours of training and experience, 
uh, that's not a good investment either. That's not no, a good. And you know, some private organization is going to capitalize sure. on all of that training that you th- you invested <laughs> in that absolutely. person. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to ask an interesting. What's next? So I mean, you you've obviously seen this field evolve. It sounds like you know mm-hmm. pretty tremendously. It sounds like it's an exciting time. Like you said, maybe the um, we were, we're kind of over the hump a little bit uh, and getting some positive momentum. Where would you? What sort of some of the next steps you would like to see? Um, as this field and the acceptance of this uh, develop, what what's what what do we need to be doing next? So I think we've always separated the um, the concept of mental health right from our physical health and wellness. You know, so I think now what we're, we're what I'm hoping is is that it's just one big topic sure. now. It's right? just health wellness. It's not yep. you know we're not disconnecting our head from our bodies <laughs> right. anymore. Right. Like right. we're just talking about the whole person. Yep. Yep. So I think that's. That's huge, right? So in order to do that, one of the new recommendations, I think, um, from the NFPA standards will be um, yearly mental health assessments, right? But but how do we present that in a way to where it's going to be um, good for the right. membership and for management, right? So, so what is the purpose? So anytime there's a recommendation, we can just say like, hey, this is the recommendation. We have to do X, Y, and Z, and let's throw it out to bid and blah, 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 right? Like, or we can figure out how are we going to make this work for us? What, what would be the advantage of this from the top and from the bottom? So looking at it from as a coaching, as a performance strategy, not, not selling it as a psych eval, right. selling it as, you know, we're going to do some assessments. We're going to figure out what your strengths are. We're going to um, let you see where you might need to, you know, work on a few areas we're to make increase your resilience. Yeah. And, you know, and then talk about what your resources are and what's next for you. And are you approaching retirement or are you... You know, do you, are you, you know, having a lifestyle change? So it gives us, you know, one day, you know, one hour um, with one, you know, with a person once a year um, face to face to just make sure they're doing okay. And are you finding buy-in on this now? Are you work? Are you, do you yeah, have? Yeah, so I have a couple of, de- I've, I've, I've got one department that actually already started it. Okay. Um, and we have several departments that we've been sending proposals out to, to try to really get this up and going. And, and what are some things you've learned so far from doing it? I mean, this sounds like a, I mean, that's an exciting yeah, opportunity. So, so my hope is, is that, right, we're going to individually be able to get people to buy into owning what they need to do. But then we're also going to see the health of the department as a whole. And then we're going to be able to track it over time so that we can see. And if we can see, hey, we're getting too much burnout here. Well, what do, what's happening? What do we right. need to do to adjust right, 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 right. it, right? Um, and so using the numbers to help us. But the other thing I did with this department was I made all the chiefs and the union execs do it first. Um, so that, you know, we're selling it. So it's not just, Hey, this is a resource. I don't need it, but you guys use it. You know, it has to be bought in from, from the top as well. Yeah. Fascinating. This has uh, been a fascinating discussion. How how do, uh, how do people find, uh, you or find public safety crisis uh, solutions? Uh, so the website is pscrisissolutions.com. Um, and then obviously we also have firestrong.org. All right. Well, thank you uh, for being out here in Las Vegas uh, at this conference. Thank you for spending a few minutes uh, talking with us. Uh, Dr. Kerry Ramella from Public Safety Crisis Solutions in Phoenix, Arizona. And again, this is Jim Molesky from NEP Media on location in Las Vegas at NEP Services. We need to talk behavioral health conference. Thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time. 
Thank you for listening to NEP on Location and Jim Molesky's conversation with Dr. Carrie Ramella. Dr. Ramella can be reached at pscrisissolutions.com. Remember to subscribe to NEP on Location wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also reach us at nep.news at nepservices.com. And for the latest ideas and information from around the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics and more, please visit our website at nepmedia.net.